Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? I don't know what it would take to reveal the real me. You know what I mean? What do you mean? Haddon Clark, I mean, he had his little teddy bear, and his teddy bear was that that was his confidant that was his best friend that uh-huh. was with the person with whom he was the most vulnerable and i think honestly when i'm at my most vulnerable is that nats told me some of the noises i've make when i've looked at something like a porchetta or like that that big pig knuckle that we had in germany well yeah i, I was there for that i don't really recall the noises maybe go, you could thank you thank you so much for making me me thank you <laughs> and then made the pork knuckle go i'm so happy i would be inside of a guy soon like, oh, Mr. Knuckle, you're the only one who gets me, the only one who understands. And just keep it silent. <laughs> right, yeah. Natalie ignores it now. Right, yeah. That's why we, it's the, it's a part of the marriage pact, all the, the secrets that are built, that are woven in. You'll see this week, Marcus. Yeah. Well, that's one of those funny keep it to yourself things. <laughs> uh, welcome to the last podcast of the left, everyone. I am Ben with uh, Marcus. Hi. And with Henry. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, you are. And I want to say congratulations to Marcus Parks. I'm, and I think this is a really appropriate episode to talk about it on, too. Yeah. Marcus Parks is now officially married. Yeah. Actually, no, this uh, will come out before the marriage. Take it back. Take it back. <laughs> Didn't make it. Didn't make it to the ceremony. <laughs> All right, everyone. Let's get on to part two of one of the, I'm going to call one of the more bonkers serial killers we've ever talked about, Haddon Clark. So when we last left Haddon Clark, his brother had just been arrested for a brutal murder, and Haddon had just been kicked out of the Navy for having two offshore mental breakdowns. Hey, at least I kept him off the boat. <laughs> no one ever thanked me for taking my breakdowns off the boat. I could have done a lot of fucked up shit with some nuclear missiles, y'all. And nobody wants to thank me for it. You know what, Haddon? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, that's a great point you made. Do you think I'm a sexy woman? <laughs> You're not bad. Oh, yeah. It's you want to split me? Yeah. Yeah. That's just my throat. <laughs> God. So, Haddon moved in with his younger brother, Jeff, after his honorable discharge, mind you. Oh. And Jeff was just as awful as his other two brothers. Mm. Although, to the best of our knowledge, Jeff never killed anyone. Jeff's crimes mostly involved his family. On one occasion, he left his five-year-old son alone on his front porch when the kid didn't put on his jacket fast enough. Mm. 
And Jeff kept nude pictures taped to the fridge in the same house where his kids lived. Hey, honey, 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 look, look, look. All the stills I ordered from Ass Police. Remember my favorite movie? <laughs> I they do arrived, recall. yeah. Yo, what kind of pictures are we talking here? Easy Rider or Cherry? <laughs> what, what's going on? Or, or, or uh, are they pictures of his wife? No, they're like Playboy, Penthouse, stuff like that. This is why men need a cave, like a man cave. <laughs> To hold all of their little photos. I just never met a man horny enough, honestly, to just put up a bunch of titty pictures in front of his family. It happens. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Is that a Texas thing, Marcus? Your face looks as if you were reminiscing about some horrors of the past. I don't know if it's a Texas thing, but I definitely remember it from Texas. Now, huh. is it that Texas is so old school America that it's almost European? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff Clark beat his kids, oh. he beat the neighborhood kids, Jesus. he beat his wife, and he molested both of his children on multiple occasions. Oh this guy my. was fucking awful. Jesus. And he's the he's the better one? This is like the least bad Clark. God. Besides damn. their sister Allison, who got the fuck out of there as soon as she turned 18. Right. Well, because of all this, Jeff's wife divorced him and got custody, but mm. not because Jeff was a violent pervert. Yeah, I mean, why would you want to do that? I mean, why would you want to take his kids away from him just because of some kind of violent pervert? Right, right. <laughs> Rather, the wife only got custody after Jeff got busted for having a little weed. Oh, legalize it, man. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's what the judge, that, that was the bridge too far for the judge. Oh, my God. And it was after Jeff lost full custody that Haddon moved into Jeff's basement. He still had partial custody. Yeah. This is also around the time that Haddon supposedly committed another murder. This is... Wait a second. This... Wait a second. He still got partial custody? Yeah. The kids are still in and out. What? How? Because our system is not very good. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sometimes parents who shouldn't get any custody get some custody. But, yeah. Well, around this time, Haddon Clark claims that he abducted and murdered a nine-year-old girl named Sarah Pryor, although an inmate in Texas named John Werty also claims responsibility for the same crime. Dirty Werty. <laughs> There's a little description from an article that I was reading, a really good long-form article from the New Yorker called A Hole in the Ground by Alex hmm. Wilkinson, where he got to spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with Haddon Clark, which must have been a fucking delight. Yeah. Absolutely not. A absolutely not. You're correct. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, Haddon Clark spoke a little bit about Sarah. Okay, okay, that was 85 in the fall of an Indian summer kind of day. I was on my way to the area from Maryland to see my father. He lived in Sudbury, the town next door. My father was seeing another woman then. I think my mom and dad were divorced at the time. I had just got out of the military. Things were not going so good for me. I got to the house and he wasn't there. I had plans to help him move some things. I drove all that way to help him move some stuff and he didn't show up. <laughs> it's canceled. Big deal, but it's very frustrating to drive all that way and it's canceled. So I was on my way home and I forget what route I came through, Waylon. I asked this little girl about directions. I was acting like I was lost. You know what I mean? I already felt like I was going to kill somebody. Oh my. You know, I don't know what makes me feel that way. I know I have a problem. If I'm doing these things, I must have a problem. But no one gives me any help. Something makes me mad, and I take my anger out on anything. You get in my way, and it's like a tornado. Yeah, seems like it. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, it's interesting because it's it's better not to have to move stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Not like if I show up somewhere and like, oh, I oh, moving is canceled. Great, I'm going to Shoney's. <laughs> 
But all the same, Haddon claims that he buried the little girl's body in his father's grave. Oh, my God. In Cape Cod, along with a metal box that supposedly contained all the trophies he took from the victims he says he killed throughout the 70s and 80s. Hmm. Now, Jeff said that Haddon had the mental capacity of a child, which pretty much made him a six foot two grown man with all the emotional intelligence and social skills of a psychopathic eight year old. Anybody want to play naked dodgeball? No, I don't. <laughs> Somebody took my French bread pizza! Oh. <laughs> no. Yeah, the nice thing about pizza on a bagel is you can eat pizza anytime. anytime. <laughs> But even so, the kids liked hanging out with Haddon, because Haddon could drive them wherever they wanted. He was a kid with the car. Okay. And Haddon could chase the other kids away from the playground, so Jeff's kids would have the best swing. This is kind of like hanging out with Sloth. <laughs> kind of, although Sloth had a heart of gold, and he loved ice cream. But they didn't know at the time that Haddon Clark didn't have a heart of gold. They just assumed he was some gangly, uh, idiot, malformed psychopath. But if, if at least if you have one of those in your group, it's your psychopath. Yeah, that's true. But all that came crashing down when Haddon masturbated in front of the kids. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, that'll do it. Yeah. After that, Jeff had no choice but to ask his brother to move out. But before Haddon left... So the pedophile landlord with the nudes on the fridge were like... He's like, you gotta go. I was just <laughs> itching it. No, you're gonna I have to... I was itching it like I a have had sex time. with all of my children, yeah. but you, sir, you need to leave this house. <laughs> you this, know what? I need to leave this house. You have to leave. It's a Christian home. You're not firing me. Yeah. I quit. Oh, really? But before Haddon left, Jeff asked him for one more favor. Yeah, oh yeah, always ask him, ask him for a favor. <laughs> Even though Haddon had masturbated in front of the children, Jeff still asked his brother to pick up his daughter Eliza from daycare one oh, day. Oh my god! But Eliza was smart, and she told the daycare workers that she had no fucking clue who this Haddon guy was. Yeah, because he's just outside swaying back and forth on the balls of his feet, being like, somebody's gonna take a ride with Uncle Haddon. (laughs) Hopefully I don't feel a tornado coming on. It's a horror movie. Eventually, Jeff came down and explained the situation, telling the daycare workers that Haddon was, quote, Eliza's retarded uncle. Hmm. And with that, Haddon's dreaded nickname came back into his life. This is his Marty McFly moment. Yeah. It really is. In what sense? Did someone call him like when you call Mark uh, McFly a chicken that's and he right. flips out. Well, see, Haddon hated the nickname his father had given him as a child mm. more than anything. And when Eliza heard her father using it, she started using it as well. Uh-oh. So Haddon blamed Eliza for the return of the nickname and decided to take revenge. But he didn't do it by hurting Eliza physically. Instead... He murdered one of Eliza's friends. Dude, this is so crazy. Well, he's very, I mean, obviously he's very sick, but it's weird how he can kind of transfer. Like, because in his head, this makes total sense. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do this. Everybody's going to get this message that I'm sending. And also, they just let him go in the house alone because he showed back up literally to just pack up his stuff. They're like, all right. We're going to give you several hours alone in our home so you can pack up all your things, which was what? His teddy bear? A bunch of stolen panties? Like, he's got his his helmet? His rollerblading helmet? <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot in that, yeah. 
Well, on the day that Haddon came to Jeff's house to get the last of his stuff, he was approached by a six-year-old girl named Michelle Dorr, who dropped by to see if Eliza was home. Uh, the house was totally empty, so Haddon decided in that moment to kill the little girl as revenge for someone calling him a mean name. Jeez. And he told Michelle that Eliza was upstairs. Michelle walked inside and went up to Eliza's room while Haddon went out to his truck and grabbed a 12-inch butcher knife from his culinary toolbox. My goodness. Now armed, he walked up the stairs to Eliza's room to find Michelle playing with Eliza's dolls. Without a word, Haddon threw her to the floor, and before she had a chance to even scream, Haddon slashed her across the chest, left to right, then down, then right to left, carving a Z on her torso. After cutting her, he put his hand over her mouth to keep her from screaming, but the little girl fought back and bit down hard. Now angry, Haddon ended the girl's life by thrusting the butcher knife into her throat, sending blood spurting across the room. Afterwards, he went out to the truck, grabbed some cleaning supplies in a duffel bag, and quickly cleared the room of any and all evidence so thoroughly that nobody even suspected that anything had gone awry while Haddon was there alone. Which is no easy feat, mm. being able to clean up a, an entire person's amount of blood that became spurting out once you slash somebody's throat. It's really intense. You have a very interesting theory, because there's a lot of people that say that Haddon Clark, this is the reason why this might not have been his first murder, because they mm. think that, well, he actually had some note on like, how to dispose of a body. Yeah, and I say it's actually not uh, my theory. It is my wife's theory. Wow. Yeah, I would assume that takes practice. Well, that's the thing. In discussing this particular case with Carolina, she came up with a different possibility besides the possibility that Haddon Clark had murdered before. Okay. Because remember, Haddon Clark was a trained chef who'd studied at one of the finest culinary institutes in the entire country. And from what Carolina tells me of her days as a professional, the number one rule in the kitchen is you gotta keep your station clean. That's true. And of course, the number one culinary school in the country, McDonald's University. <laughs> and they are the best. That's very true. That's why I hated working at Wendy's because I had this manager who'd be like, if you lean, you clean. And it's like, what if I don't? That's the uh, second time you've brought that up, brought up that manager in like a month. Yeah. I don't like her. You've been thinking about her a lot. And also, again, just the idea of you hulking and sulking by the French fries. I, I'm just like, it always just scares me. Just you as Michael Myers, the real version of Michael Myers in an Arby's. Oh, it was very nice. Well, it is possible that Haddon Clark's training as a chef gave him the skills he needed to quickly clean up blood mm. and, in effect, Turn over the crime scene as if someone had told him the health inspector was coming. This is a great commercial for the CIA. <laughs> so this is like serial killer maid service. It was just like, let's get it done. We, we got rooms to sell. But either way, after cleaning up the scene, Haddon stuffed the body in a duffel bag Ugh. and carried it out to his truck. He then drove to a construction site, cleaned up his hand wound, and rode his bike to work at the Chevy Chase Country Club. Yeah, you know, you go in there looking for a golf game and all you find is... Nothing but trouble. Hey! Nothing but trouble. There it is. I feel like the witch's music from Wizard of Oz is playing as he's riding his bicycle. 
Now, the murder of Michelle Dore occurred at around 1 p.m., and Haddon Clark clocked in at the country club at 2.46 p.m. Can you imagine this fucking evil goofball as a busboy at the country club? I mean, he wasn't a busboy. He was in the kitchen. He was? He is, yeah. Honestly, he is just kind of like Bill Murray in Caddyshack. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was not a busboy at any point. Like, the, the lowest he would go uh, is salad prepper, but he was always in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll prep your salad. I'll, <laughs> I'll prep your salad. Yeah, 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 all right. <laughs> but Michelle's father, Carl Dore, didn't go looking for his daughter until about 6 o'clock that evening. Now, the reason why Carl Dore didn't go over to the house before then was because he said he suspected Jeff Clark of being a homosexual. And for some reason, this made Carl uncomfortable enough to stay away from the house for way too long. Guys, well, and I, I will say this. I have done a lot of work on a lot of research on this, especially mm-hmm. deep on the Internet. And it's true. If you go into a homosexual man's house, they are, it's called man fumes. <laughs> really? You guys are laughing at this. Really? And you might get enough beard particles inside of you that you you might turn gay. But despite his weird homophobia, Carl Dore is still a massively tragic figure in this story. See, Carl was no more stable than anyone else wrapped up in all this, and Carl's erratic behavior made him the number one suspect in his daughter's disappearance for years. Ooh. And there was some evidence to back up this assumption, at least at first. See, Carl was going through a nasty divorce, and he had openly threatened to kidnap Michelle from his ex-wife, Dee Dee, just a few months before. Uh, okay, okay. That's not a good idea. No, no. But while the cops were interrogating Carl after he reported the disappearance of his daughter, Haddon was finishing up his shift at the country club. Stabbing these bananas! Stabbing <laughs> some bananas! Yes, uh, Haddon, table 13 says their steak is... Uh, Fully, it looks as if you've licked it. Did you lick the steak, Haddon? Mm, you know what's funny is that's the one I didn't lick. You didn't lick that one. Yeah. I'll let him know all the other steaks have been licked and that one's safe to eat. Yeah. Well, after Haddon got off work, he drove to a nearby park outside of town, found an isolated ravine, and started digging a grave using a ceremonial silver shovel that his grandfather had once used to break ground at the White Plains Macy's. <laughs> I think a lot of these commemorative shovels have been used to dig graves. Yeah, I think so as well. <laughs> then, once hadn't got deep enough, he started to lower the body into the hole. But suddenly, he felt an uncontrollable urge to drink the little girl's blood. It's just crazy. Out of nowhere. I guess he had drinking the bull blood before. Yeah, the bull blood? The bull blood? <laughs> yeah, no, the, his brother yeah, the, was the a cannibal. Beep. His brother was a cannibal. It's just right. in there, man. Yeah, with the yeah. with the breast and the and the grill there. Yeah, I mean, there's something about the Clark family that cannibalism is a part of their DNA almost. Jeez. So he did it. Yeah. What do you do? Do you bring in a straw? Like what happens? Oh, I don't want to use any of these plastic straws. I don't want the turtles to die. No. I guess I'll just fucking bite a hole in it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> No, we don't really know how exactly he did it. We just know that he did it. Or actually, we know that he said he did it. We okay. don't know for sure if he did it. It might be another It might be another serial killer just trying to make everybody in the room feel weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he, he says that he did it. And then once he had enough, he buried the body and drove away. He, so he just, like, patted his stomach and be like, Whoa, oh, I'm full. 
You know, I wonder because it is a both a sense of because, like, you know, Ted Bundy said it and then recanted. Mm-hmm. Some people have kind of done that. Like, have even John Wayne Gacy sort of flirted with the idea that he was playing with the body. I think that uh, what we'll have seen from Haddon Clark could point towards. I think that it, I'm in the camp that I don't believe that it was his first murder. I think that he's murdered before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is just escalation. Yeah. Oh. And that he did suck it because he's just so, uh, uh, it's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one way to say it. Well, meanwhile, Carl Dorr was having a full psychotic break as a result of his daughter going missing. But the cops took this as evidence of guilt. Okay, so he was acting too upset. He was way too upset, and the cops thought it was like, "Oh, he's being overwhelmed with guilt, uh, you know, from murdering and uh, kidnapping his daughter." Right. He had like a Laura Palmer's mom style of breakdown. Yeah, where he went, mm. he went truly very, very crazy because they kept they they were pressing him hard. They said that the timeline didn't match up for Haddon. So then they were he actually confessed at one point that that he had killed he had killed his own daughter. And it, so he did a false confession. He uh but he passed a lie detector test. It's all of this shit. It's all over the place. Mm. And he I mean the the wheels fell off hardcore. Yeah, he started to believe that uh like the uh what is it the uh, spokesperson for the I think it's called the National Institute for Missing and Exploited Children showed up uh to you know give support to his uh, his ex-wife and uh, Carl Dorr started to believe that it was the spokesman of the Missing Children Foundation that murdered his daughter because well, we she was cr- because she was safe. We got to create work for ourselves. That's what it is. <laughs> that is actually like a really interesting horror movie premise. <laughs> but he also uh, I think was suffering from massive guilt because the reason why Michelle laughed anyways because he put her outside in a kiddie pool and then he went in to watch NASCAR. Yeah. Which is mm. that's sad only just because you can watch NASCAR. I mean, was I think- it was it a nice day? Uh, you know, it's a nice day for Michelle. She was having a nice day until she got murdered. He was just in NASCAR zone. Just watch him go round and round, oh, and, round and, and then that's it. And I guess he was just hypnotized and he didn't check for her for several hours after that. Yeah. Yeah, she was gone for about five hours before he finally like checked on her. Yeah, six years old, huh? Yeah, six. Yeah. yeah. But since there were no further leads, the cops started questioning neighbors, and that eventually led to Haddon Clark. He told police during questioning that the only reason why he was in the neighborhood that day was to feed his brother's rabbits. But when police began probing the relationship with his brother further, Haddon blurted out a story about his nephews kicking him in the nuts. <laughs> but uh, Okay, well, thank you, uh, Mr. Clark. Right in is, my T's and yeah, my B's. really, it's just not even close to why we're here. It, it doesn't hit my, really... my wiener barnacles. <laughs> hit your wiener barnacles. Hmm. But instead of attacking his brother's sons... Haddon Clark attacked one of the neighborhood girls as revenge. Mm. Pretty much the same thing they did with Michelle. Don't punish the kids, punish the kids' friends. It was very strange. So weird. I mean, it's sideways thinking. He's got something going on in his brain. He's got a lot of hinky, a lot of gears loose. And so he, they kick him in the nuts. All these kids are laughing. I'm like, they're all Dennis the Menace, and he's the fucking neighbor. They're right. pulling pranks on him. And he's like, I'll show you. And then he grabs a little girl, and he's like, you want to see what I can do? And just pushes her down on the ground and holds her down with his knees on her chest. This is a full-grown man. Yeah. This is a gay man in his 30s just, like, pressing a little kid down. Not doing anything, but just laying on top of her with his full body weight. Yeah. Jeez. 
Now, this story seemed like a pretty good thread to follow. So the cops asked if that was what Haddon had done to Michelle. Hmm. But instead of confessing, Haddon said he felt sick. And he went to the bathroom, vomited, and became stricken by a bout of nasty diarrhea. It seems like the family kills, but then they do get sick. They get stooky fever, man. He's like, I'd love to answer your questions. Honestly, I'd love to clear it up for myself. But I'll have to tell you, after my little appointment with the caterer who's (laughs) just ordered a chocolate fountain. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I have major ass shit. Okay, we got it now. And when Haddon went to the bathroom, the cops just followed him in, shouting, What did you do? What did you do? While Holden was just in there like farting and shitting. Just a minute, guys. Just a minute. (laughs) Just a minute. I'll be able to talk to you about it. (laughs) Then they slipped a photo of Michelle under the door while he's shitting and yelling, What did you do? What did you do? Just Uh, a hot second. (laughs) Another great day of police work. (laughs) The only thing Haddon said was this. I may... Oh, oh, I may have done something. Oh, I just did there. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I block out oh, and do things I don't remember. Oh, oh. Uh, Mr. Clark, you're going to want to use a double. You're going to want to use two ply and you're going to want a double wipe there. I think I honestly, I'm going to need like a bucket of water. Yeah. <laughs> now, again, this seemed promising. So the cops decided, all right, let's check out this guy's alibi. But here's where things got muddled. Hmm. See, Carl had erroneously told the cops that he'd last seen his daughter at 2.10 p.m. And Haddon had clocked into work at 2.46 p.m. That meant that according to that timeline, Michelle's murder and the subsequent crime scene cleanup plus Haddon's travel time to work only had a 30-minute window. It was impossible. So based solely on this, without even thinking, that maybe Carl had gotten the time wrong. The cops believed Haddon's alibi and just let him go. All right. And they focused back on Carl Dorr. Pressed him for the next five years, despite the fact that there was zero evidence to suspect him. It ruined his whole life. Yeah. Yeah, and if it you sounds watch, like it. There's a forensic files that I watched on Haddon Clark that I want to say that was called Dress to Kill that had Carl Dorr on it pretty significantly. And he is a haunted and shattered man. Yeah. Because we're not really going into full detail, but the lengths of his, uh, the what happened to him, the, the way he went completely insane, it's pretty thorough and he, it didn't really come all the way back. And, and because again... You could see why the cops were pressuring him because it's always the father. Why? Why did all of these documentaries have to make a cross-dressing pun? Like, was any was any documentary like um, Haddon Clark? He's like goofy with a knife. Like, why did it no. all have to just be like he wore a dress? It's always obsessed with a wig and panties. <laughs> they just like saying panties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they salacious. Do. Well, meanwhile. Haddon Clark was descending further into a criminal lifestyle. He moved back in with Flever, Uh but after she accused him of stealing, he beat her again and tried to run her over with his truck. He tried killing her. It's like the movie Fargo. 
This is just ridiculous. It's just a, a haphazard way of attempting to kill people on a regular basis. It's just one dumb thing tumbling into the next. Yeah. I honestly think that that's why he is uh, suspect of many other crimes. I think that Adam Clark is a is what he said. He is a fucking tornado. A, yeah. And every single thing he touches turns into a pile of horrible shit. Mm-hmm. I would like to see the movie Twister, but just with a huge, like, 50-foot Adam <laughs> Clark. Just <laughs> Oh, Helen, I love your top. Thank you. from your grave. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, BarkBox decides and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for the little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats and oh they love their life and they love the they love what bark box brings because bark box brings the bark and puts it in a box yep to get your free upgrade go to barkbox.com slash l-e-f-t my sister is the best gift giver i've ever met of any person it's jackie zabrowski she shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why, as I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at. See if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. 
One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Live from your grave. Well, for the crime of trying to kill his own mother, he got a year of probation. That's it? That's it. But Fliver did say that as far as she was concerned, he was dead to her <gasps> until he got help. You're dead to me. <laughs> After that, Haddon moved into an apartment owned by a man named Paul Mahaney, and Haddon's behavior got even worse. After only a few months, though, Mahaney asked Haddon to move out because Haddon was, in his landlord's words, quote, crazy and evil. Huh. <laughs> Isn't that something? Now, that's not actually illegal, sir. That is not illegal. Renter's rights. Renter's rights. Is it now? You can't, honestly. You can't like- be crazy and evil if you never kill anyone. Like, there's a lot of, like, uh, gamers who I've spoken with while playing NBA 2K20. <laughs> I just beat the hell out of an 11-year-old, by the way. And it was awesome. But I feel like if you are paying your rent, I guess if you're paying your rent, it's fine. You could kind of handle in there. But it's like, I don't think Haddon Clark had a handle on the rent or the utilities ah. or just being a guy. Well, no, that was the thing about Haddon Clark. He did pay his rent on time because Haddon Clark always had about 40 grand in the bank. I think he paid it, but it was like with the with the check, and then he would stab the knife into the door and just be like, rent, September. <laughs> it's just him going out with the dollar bills out of his fly, being like, you, you want to see my new money penis? Yeah, do new I have to do I have penis. to grab the rent again from your money belt money that you're now calling penis. a money penis? Come <laughs> on, don't you want me to be a good tenant? I do want Daddy the rent. Landlord. You want me to grab it with my hands or my mouth this week? Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Well, really, the big reason why uh, Paul Mahaney was trying to get Haddon out of there is because his young daughter was returning home from college, and Mahaney didn't want her anywhere near Haddon Clark. Makes sense. But the entire place was uh, filled with, he stayed, once he got evicted, Haddon Clark uh, was a, became, he showed his true colors. Yeah. As revenge for getting evicted, Haddon killed Mahaney's cats skinned them, hung one by the neck from the doorknob, and splayed out the other carcass in Mahaney's fridge. Oh my god, this is so crazy. Then Haddon sprayed black dye on all their carpets, he had fish heads all over the house, and he topped it all off by doing the old water bucket on the door top prank. He filled it with vegetable oil, though. Ooh. So that, he did that to put on top of things so that when they'd go in to inspect it, they'd get hit with a bucket of oil. It's, Damn. It's really... He's such a tiny H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah. He is, he's, like the, he's like the Riddler or something, though. He's, he's crazy. Again, he's Mr. Zass. <laughs> Mr. Zass, yeah. And he also stole a ton of Mahaney shit. Mm. But still, Haddon Clark only got sentenced to a year, which ended up being suspended. And he was ordered to undergo psychiatric treatment, which he also blew off. Uh, Listen, I don't have time for the psychiatric treatment. I'm trying to do self-care, which really involves a lot of soaking panties in river water and sucking all the river water. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Since no one would give Haddon an apartment anymore, and since he'd beaten and masturbated his way through his whole family, Haddon chose to become homeless. Hmm. He set up a campsite in the woods outside of Rockville, Maryland. 
You know, if you're just going to have the inner peace to just wake up and say, I don't need a home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what Tom Waits' character did in The Dead Don't Die. Yeah. 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 I mean, that is kind of a child's fantasy. Remember Dennis the Menace speaking of when he got to be... Um, what are you going to be hanging out with the homeless dude? With Remember, uh, oh yeah, with Christopher Lloyd's Christopher character. Lloyd's yeah, character. he was eating beans and stuff, and they had a campfire. And... Yeah, it's fun to a child because yeah. child doesn't understand how scary it is to be a homeless person, right? And how it's challenging. It's a challenging position in life. It is very, hard. It's very dangerous and scary. Yeah. Now, Haddon Clark was still able to get hired at restaurants despite living in the woods. Hmm. His longest stretch during this period was six months at an upscale Italian place called Geppetto's. Oh, Geppetto's! Geppetto's! <laughs> but after he was fired from that job, the best he could do was a three-month stint at the Rockville Holiday Inn Ooh. as a salad prepper. There yeah. it is! I always prep the salad, I'll style the salad's hair, and I do its makeup. You have any idea how hard it is to get a nice lip on some romaine? I, I believe it! Oh, there's a bunch of pine cones in my pants! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my friend. I like that, though. A good Holiday Inn Express. They got a good breakfast buffets. Mm. You can make waffles, you can make omelets. We do a whole bunch of stuff. You're there playing... First of all, hopefully he's wearing gloves. Oh, I don't think so. He's oh. covered in pine needles and sleeping outside and shit, and I guess you can get a Away with it for a while, right? I know a lot of people have, you know, I've did, I did it myself. I lived in my car and worked. Like you can, yeah, swing it, but you kind of need an infrastructure. Like I went to friends' houses and showered and shit. Like I, I had things that I could go do. He had the VA hospital. Ah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. You, you go, go to the VA hospital and shower like every few days. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And and he he made it work. I mean, most people didn't know that he was homeless. Okay. Now, he did briefly check into that VA hospital in 1989, and they strapped him down and pumped him full of meds from just about the moment he walked into the door. Well, it seemed like he Ooh. walked in and literally was just like, catch me, catch me! <laughs> like, he, he, he has a problem of causing yeah. chaos. Yeah, and Hatton was pretty free with talking about his problems. He told the staff that the birds and the squirrels were talking to him. Well, they do sing. You know, <laughs> Zippy is really not feeling its nut harvest this year, and Caw Caw, the seagull, you yeah, know him? Yeah, of course. Do, do you know him? I do know him, yeah. Yeah, he helped me kill a little girl. Well, I don't know that. I didn't know that side of him. <laughs> that sounds bad. Hadn't also told the VA hospital that he had chronic diarrhea from drinking all that pond water out in the woods. Oh, that'll do it. And he blamed the diarrhea for losing his job at the Holiday Inn. See, they'd be calling me streaks at the restaurant, but that's because I thought I moved fast. <laughs> <laughs> but even after diagnosing him as a paranoid schizophrenic and declaring him a danger to himself and others, they let Haddon Clark go after only... Five days. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tying me up. <laughs> it was fun. Thanks for the Valium. Pretty soon afterward, Haddon was arrested again. This time, Haddon was parked on the side of the road, and when two cops stopped to assist, Haddon very quickly started moving items into the storage space behind the seat of his truck. Nothing to see here. And he was doing this while wearing... Ladies' clothing. Ladies' oh, women's <laughs> pants. Wow. Well, he also was sleeping with his teddy bear. Yeah. Oh. They found him all cuddled up in, in women's clothing sleeping with a teddy bear, which is, I mean, again, cool. Yeah. You can do that. Sure. That's totally fine. fine. And when the green coat Haddon was wearing got stuck on something and Haddon was trying to get it free, the cops saw that Haddon 
was carrying a handgun uh, in the panties. Uh, no, he was no, he was in full like he had slacks, a blouse. Oh. No, Come on, damn it, damn it! You're yelling at the coat being something. Just trying to be a fancy lady for once in my life. That's very yeah. fun. Wig everything. And when they patted him down further, a purse holding an ID that did not belong to Haddon dropped out of his pocket. And upon searching Haddon's truck, the cops found wallets from 15 additional women. Hmm. See, earlier that day, Haddon had wandered into the local United Methodist Church during choir practice Mm -hmm. and had robbed the choir blind. And he had done this dressed as a highly conspicuous woman. Yeah. Jeez. He just goes in with his loose wig on. Like, I mean, say what you will, he could have put a little bit more time to his presentation. Well, I don't even, did he even have a mirror? I don't know what he... I mean, yeah, he had a river. <laughs> you could look into the pond like Narcissus, right? He went, his, his wig half askew, a dirty river water soaked dress on, and weird ass flats that he probably found in a trash can and stolen from people's houses. Uh, he, he just went, just imagining him... Going through all of the pews, just being like, excuse me, excuse me, looking for my purse. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you just hit one note for us? Uh, (laughs) Oh, 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 is that singing? (laughs) Well, this time Haddon did get at least a little bit of jail time. Okay. 45 days. 45 days. So this is the most amount of jail up to this point. Yeah, but he didn't really mind it because it was wintertime. And 45 days in jail beat 45 days out in the uh, tent. I believe that. Yep. Yeah. But after Haddon got out of jail, he decided to sort of rebrand himself <laughs> as a local character. Oh, since his career as a chef was pretty much over, Haddon started taking odd jobs around town, rollerblading everywhere, and naming himself the Rockville Rocket. <laughs> when he was in his getup, the only way I could describe it is that he looked like if Gollum joined a Special Olympics hockey team. <laughs> I mean, he, I could see him zipping around, though. Yeah, because yeah. he had a Washington Capitals jersey. That, he yes. had a uniform. It was like he had the little tiny shorts, the yes. rollerblades, a Washington Capitals uniform, and a big, dumb helmet. Silly-ass <laughs> helmet. He's such a dangerous person. Just it's rollerblading though. around with a bunch of big Eagles in a bag. Yeah, do yourself a favor. Google image Haddon Clark. It is uh, quite entertaining. But the only regular job Haddon got was as an overnight bagel roller at the local What's a Bagel? What's a Bagel? This is my problem, okay? You can't name a restaurant if in the title of your restaurant you are... You are you were confessing. You don't know what the food is. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go to a bagel restaurant where the first thing you see is, what's a bagel? What's a bagel? <laughs> but when Haddon wasn't at the bagel shop doing odd jobs or hanging out in the woods, he was usually at his local bar. He was a bit of a bar fly, but usually stuck to sodas and coffee. He loved going to a bar called the Malt Shop, which was directly above a restaurant called the Dancing Crab. <laughs> It's a crab. It's cute. See, this place was within walking distance of all the local TV stations. Ben, I actually believe like this would probably be your Rockville, Maryland local. Okay. Because it was within walking distance to all of the local TV stations, that meant all the local news crews would pop in for a burger and beer after the 6 and 11 o'clock broadcasts. Right. I am just so stressed out about talking of, of about car accidents. Yeah. And it's just been a really yeah, hard I day. Yeah, I bet that is really hard. Yeah. yeah. Can I have your pussy? <laughs> 
And Haddon would make regular chit-chat with all the local anchors and weathermen. That's so funny. That's cute, but he's sitting there with a fucking helmet on? And then you you <laughs> have to speak with him, because I'm certain that they were all said at some point, they're like, that's the local bagel delivery boy. He's mentally handicapped. Like, they were all like, he's a special boy. And so at the yep. time, you just think he's going, oh, it's just so nice to meet everybody. And you're just so excited to meet him because you're a local anchor woman or anchor man. You want to be you want to be nice to the local of character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, television news personalities are funny because I got to meet Steve Kornacki at the pack, watching the Packers game. Right. And I was like, Mr. Kornacki, I'm a big fan of your analyst work, sir, on MSNBC. And then I forced him to take a picture with me. And he was like, scared as hell. <laughs> You were his Haddon Clark. He had no idea what that what you as a huge man was going to do. With, like identifying with a person. I couldn't pick him up out of a lineup. I don't know who this person is. I got a degree in political science, and then I definitely talked too long, and then he's like, I'm going to watch the games now. And I was like, okay. What if I make you sit with me? <laughs> no, man, I get it. Like, you know, when I was living in Lubbock, you know how excited I got when I saw Abner Uresti at the movie theater? Woohoo, boy. Abner Uresti was one of the better... Dookie sports announcers out there. Is that a guy who invented the catheter? Who is that? No, he was a news anchor for KCBD. Uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, you see Abner at the store. You know, like when you see the weatherman out. Of, have you guys ever? I mean, you guys have lived in a town about like two hundred thousand. You in know, Tampa. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, in Tampa or it's, when you see the local weather guy or the news anchor, I love it's, it. It's exciting. And he's like, ha, ha, yeah, that is right. You see that cloud? I called that earlier today. <laughs> called it. No, our our weather local weatherman. I forget. I think Eric Stone from Tampa. He was constantly harassed by old people because he was always wrong about the fucking weather because it's Florida. <laughs> and it changes so fast. And so, oh, especially in hurricane season. And he's just like, I'm just sick and goddamn tired of people giving me attitude. It's like yelled at my father in an elevator when my father was working security. <laughs> well, that's the thing, is it? Haddon Clark, like, he was charming enough during this time period to talk his way into sleeping with the barmaid a couple of times. This is just out of control. This is out of control. <laughs> and he didn't go to her place. See, Haddon wasn't a terrible-looking dude. This is all you, Marcus. I, no, no, he one was not. Prompted, he was not terrible-looking. He's not terrible-looking. He was terrible terrifying-looking. Look. Yeah, I mean, in the pictures, when he's dressed up as Kirsten, as Kristen Bluefin, yeah, he's terrifying. To quote this New Yorker article, the way to describe it, his features are sharp, and the expression, his eye, the expression in his eyes is often abstracted and menacing. <laughs> <laughs> I but, can, yeah, but, you know... The constant rollerblading and all the pond water diarrhea yep. makes a man svelte. No. He was svelte. He no. was, I actually agree with him. I've seen the pictures. No, you guys he's are pretty, insane. He's got tough, strong thighs, strong calves. Oh, yeah. Insane. <laughs> he, he, he looks like, I, it just like a less, if Raul Julia at the end with cancer, he looks like he's just big bulging eyes and nothing but veins. I think he looks like an in-shape Steve Buscemi. Whoa! <laughs> yes. Well, also, like I said, he was able to make it to the VA hospital every few days for a shower. Whoa! <laughs> every few days! <laughs> so every once in a while, Barmaid would ride in Haddon's Dotson truck out to Haddon's tent for a quickie in the woods. A quickie! I want to speak with this barmaid. I want to know what this barmaid's thinking. Because honestly, it's like lady, camping. It, it's not like camping. It You're going is. to go fuck a man in his car, which is all full of stolen women's panties and a dookie-soaked teddy bear, and him going, "Hope you like my studio apartment." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ah, sorry, I got some river muck in my lips. Oh. And you have to be like, you know what? 
There's a lot of people that don't understand him like I do. He's something special. And the way he goes down on me, it's almost like he doesn't like it. Yeah, I believe it. But another person who showed Haddon a kindness would come to greatly regret it. Mm. Penny Hotling hired Haddon Clark as a gardener through a homeless outreach program named Bethesda Cares, even though Haddon still had about $40,000 in the bank. See, Penny was a psychotherapist, and she knew how to deal with Haddon, because Haddon was just as mentally unbalanced as he'd ever been. It sounds like it's this fucking Richard Dreyfus shit. From uh, what, what about, about Bob? Bob? What about Bob? <laughs> she legitimately <laughs> believes, been like, I can heal him. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's zipping back and forth, being like, I've killed many people. <laughs> yep, you can only do so much. Well, she treated him nice, and because she did him a kindness, Haddon started to pretend like Penny was his mother. Oh, yeah. Mommy replacement. But apparently he was not a very good gardener. According to reports, when she'd ask him to dig a hole, every single time he'd do it, it would at least be at least two to three times bigger than she asked it to him. Like he's digging a grave. <laughs> well, it's that's extra work. He's yeah. putting in more work. Now, she didn't notice when some of her jewelry and underwear went missing, but when Haddon started taking garden tools, she confronted him. Oh. Naturally, Haddon got pissed off. And he freaked out, so Penny felt bad and continued helping him. But it all came to a head when Penny's daughter Laura came to live in the house and Haddon started getting jealous. Uh-oh. See, Penny was supposed to be Haddon's mother, and with Laura around, Penny wasn't paying as much attention to Haddon. There's something about this that, for me, is <sighs> very frightening. But the idea that you have this, like, this man shows up. Because I understand, my my mom went through a period of time where they had, like, this, like, handyman that was around all the time that was just, like, a guy. And it's just, like, he's just in and out of the house, and they implicitly trust him. And I was like, I don't know who, you don't know who this fucking guy is. You've, like, you just found him literally in the yellow pages. This is back in the day. Right. So, like, who's this guy hanging around? Luckily, he was fine. Then he died of a heart attack in her front lawn. <laughs> did he really? Oh, yeah. Dropped dead. Then they had, no kidding. How did I not know? How did you never tell us this, that a man died in your front yard? Yeah, he just collapsed because it's not inside the house <laughs> you know what I mean? but then it's, what'd you do I, we buried him in the backyard no <laughs> we hacked him up with a bunch of you know we separated all the ligaments and we boiled his teeth we did everything you need to do no he, he just got picked up by the ambulance i've never heard i don't think the vast majority of people listening nor marcus and i have ever had anyone die in our yard yeah he got psychologically murdered by my mom i believe <laughs> no 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 wow. he was actually very sweet what i'm saying is that imagine this you come home from college and you're and you have to deal with your mom being like we have somebody that's something a little different about the house and i want you to know we've hired somebody that it's going to help a lot and we're but in the end we're helping him and then it's Haddon Clark. It is a gangly psychopath. Again, reeks of his own diarrhea. Just digging graves outside. <laughs> well, in Haddon's mind, Laura had to go. Uh-oh. On October 14th, 1992, Haddon went to a local hardware store and bought two rolls of duct tape and two kinds of rope, writing a check for $21.13 with the name Laura printed in the memo. Four days later, while Penny was on vacation... Haddon drove his truck to Penny's house and parked outside around midnight wearing a women's wig, Penny's underwear, and women's flats paired with a lady's blouse, tan slacks, and a woman's trench coat. And on his chest, or so Haddon says, was a silver pen of a winged wood nymph, supposedly taken from his very first female victim killed almost 20 years before. Oh my god. 
He also carried his grandfather's rifle, and when he went into the house and entered Laura's room, he used that rifle to nudge Laura awake. And when she woke up, he asked her why she was in his bed, wearing his clothes. Think about how frightening that is. Your gardener shows up in a wig, fully dresses a woman, wakes you up in a dead sleep with a gun in your face. It's like, why are you being me? Yeah. Why are you trying to be me? That's my bed. These are my clothes. Yeah. And Laura was just too afraid to talk. So Haddon said, tell me I'm Laura. Just kept saying it over. Tell me I'm Laura. Tell me I'm Laura. And when she finally said, you're Laura, Haddon took her to the bathroom and forced her to take a bath. Now, Haddon's original plan was to take her out to his campsite to show her, in his words, the real Haddon. But as he was covering her mouth with duct tape, he got excited and couldn't stop. So he kept wrapping more and more tape around her face, covering her mouth, and then her nose, and then her eyes. Pretty soon, Laura suffocated to death. Mm. Now, after she died, Haddon cut the tape off her face and sliced open her neck in the process. He tried taking her earrings, but when one proved too stubborn, Haddon took his scissors and chopped off the earlobe. Oh, jeez. However, even though Haddon admits to sitting there for an hour afterward, fondling her breasts, he insists he did not rape her, nor did he cannibalize her in any way. But he did use her brush to style his wig before he left. One must be presentable. I guess so. My God. So, at 3 a.m., Haddon wrapped Laura's body in a sheet and carried it out to the truck. Then he came back and gathered up all the blood-soaked evidence, including the sheet, the mattress, the pad, and the pillowcase, along with a few of Laura's personal items. It was 8 a.m. by the time Haddon left the house, and while a neighbor's housekeeper did see Haddon leave, Haddon was still dressed as a woman, and the housekeeper, who didn't know the hotlings that well, assumed it was Laura. There's a lot of experts that wanted to say Haddon did this so that he could leave surreptitiously, surreptitiously from the house and people would think it's Laura. But I think it's the opposite. I think that if what we found out is the otherwise is what he does believe is that when he puts on clothes, when he puts on women's clothes, he becomes Kristen. Was it Night Blue? Bluefin. Bluefin. He becomes Kristen Bluefin, which means then he's out for murder. So yeah. it's weird. It's almost like he's put on his costume and it's become a more adult version of himself. It's like a criminal costume because, right. you know, he also wore that when he stole all the purses. Mm. Like it, it, it is his uh, alter ego. And, you know, and that's also kind of a way to remove a little bit of blame from himself. Sure. Like, oh, it's not me doing it. It's Kristen doing all this. Absolutely. Now, Laura's disappearance was noticed right away, and her boyfriend, Warren, went out searching the moment she didn't show up for work. Eventually, he came across Haddon, who was out just driving around. Warren waved Haddon down and asked if he'd seen Laura, but Haddon just sped away, did a U-turn, and damn near rammed Warren's car. Now, Warren thought this was strange behavior, but again, local character. Ah, that's such a good way to get away with shit. Yeah. Warren brushed it off, but later mentioned it to the police. Meanwhile, the close call with Warren reminded Haddon, I gotta get rid of that body. That's what I was forgetting. (laughs) I gotta start doing the to-do list. (laughs) So he crossed the highway next to his campsite and dug a grave three feet deep and seven feet long, then covered the gravesite with tree branches and brush. And just one plastic bird. <laughs> That's a nice kind of spread. This is very Thanksgiving-y. I should think about this when I go to Macy's later. Mm-hmm. 
but it wasn't deep enough. By springtime, Laura's wrists and feet would begin to protrude from the ground, pushed up by the heavy rain, and animals would work further to disinter the body. But just after the body was buried, Haddon drove to Rhode Island and stashed the evidence in a rented storage space. The only thing he kept on his person was the pillowcase, which served as his personal trophy. Now, this time around, the investigation was focused solely on Haddon Clark, mm. especially after one detective remembered Haddon's name from the Michelle Dorr case. Because you know they had him in there, and they're pretty certain it's Carl Dorr. But they're watching this maniac, and they're like, he's going to be guilty of something. And I think this is six years later. Right. Well, five, or six, five or six years after the Michelle Dorr murder. If your name continually comes up regarding murders... It's probably like an indication. It's maybe. like a bad yeah, sign. Because yeah. usually, like, hopefully in life, you don't even ever get your name brought up when it comes to a murder. Yeah, and but, even if it is, it's mostly just because, like, they saw you, like, took a picture of you eating pizza, like, outside the building while it's <laughs> happening. Right. And then you can just mostly use the whole court to sort of, like, attack how New York pizza's changing. Although there is some good pizza here. Well, the police... <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, of course. There is. Yeah. Well, yeah. there Thank is. you for defending New York pizza. <laughs> I'm serious. Where no one else will. <laughs> you're in Williamsburg. It's a it's best pizza. It's literally called best pizza. There's it's many very... good pizzas. It's no, pizza I know, all but... of New York. Yeah. Franklin Pizza here in uh, Greenpoint is my favorite. Emmy Squared. I love Emmy Squared. Triangolo. Carmine's oh. Pizza Triangolo is not good. I like Triangolo. You like Triangolo? I like Triangolo. I didn't even. I thought it was a Russian front. Let him have this. Live <laughs> from your grave. Boy, Texas Pete is a sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around. It's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha, Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha, and it started off my day Correct. Texas Pete. Sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough. But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated 
text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. From your well, the police called in Haddon for questioning, so Haddon figured it'd probably be best to toss the pillowcase out the window in the United Methodist Church parking lot. <sighs> Get rid of it before you go and talk to the police. But the problem was Haddon's alibi for the murder was that he'd spent the night in the United Methodist Church parking lot. Ah, yeah. didn't think that one through. No, you know what it is about about Hatton Clark? He's not a real detail-oriented guy. He's not, huh? No, he's a real cross. He's not a real cross the T's, dot the J's kind of guy. That's interesting. Most chefs actually are. Yeah. Yeah. So the cops took a canine unit out to the church and found the pillowcase almost immediately, along with a cachet of women's clothing that all belonged to Penny. Then in Laura's room, they found a wig hair on her brush, and that hair matched a wig found at Haddon's campsite. Okay. But right now, this is all circumstantial, because Haddon's over at the house a lot. He might have just gone into her room and used her brush a little bit. None of this proves murder immediately. Hmm. Meanwhile, as the cops were closing in on Haddon, he drove to Cape Cod on Halloween night <gasps> and dug up his father's grave. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is kind of awesome that the idea, like, it's very symbolic, which is what we find a lot of times with serial killers that have very deep mental illness, kind of like Richard Chase, mm -hmm. where it all 
kind of comes back to some weird inner world. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, that's the thing about paranoid schizophrenia is that it's uh, seeing patterns that aren't there. Right. But no, it's not easy to be digging graves, digging up graves. Did he? How long would stuff like Doesn't anyone notice? That he just, it has to take multiple hours to dig up a grave, right? Yeah, but, it's six feet down. But that's the thing is that you know some cemeteries people might not go there for days on end, and especially if you're going there in the middle of the night. I mean, doing going to a graveyard and digging up a grave on Halloween night now that's risky because you're going to run into teenagers. There's Absolutely. a lot of teenagers and there's a lot of goth thrill seekers. Well, according to Haddon, he was at his father's grave for both his trophies and the skeleton of Sarah Pryor. Once Haddon retrieved the trophy box and the skeleton, he said he put Laura's class ring inside, took both the box and the skeleton to his grandparents' old estate on Cape Cod, and buried them in separate locations. And while Haddon was allegedly doing all this, the forensics team found Haddon Clark's fingerprint on the bloody pillowcase. On November 6th, 1992, Haddon Clark was finally arrested for murder. Oh, my. But Haddon Clark's interrogation rivals the Mark Twitchell case in terms of its pure fucking goofiness. Uh-oh. Although this one is much, much dirtier than the Star Wars conversations that Twitchell had. Yeah. Yeah, he walked in there and he is... I saw one piece of footage of him inside the interrogation room and the only way I could say... I could see why he always has problems. Yeah. Because he has no concept of personal space. He does this thing that I saw him do several times walking in and out of the cops thing, which I don't know if you've ever dealt with this in your life. It's kind of like a stupid alpha move that some stupid bros will do. Well, they'll like try to get as close to your chest as humanly possible as they either cross you in a hallway or like as they walk around you where they just like push themselves up deep into your personal space. Haddon Clark used to do this to the cops. Like I watched him several times as he's handcuffed, he presses his chest up against them and they're forced to like back up like each time where he is it's very strange he's a very uh he's just you know a very conflict-based human being well that's like what you do at a a ufc weigh-in for example or a boxing match yeah Yeah. you're trying to assert dominance yeah it's all peacocking right well first detectives brought in haddon clark's teddy bear because they knew that the teddy bear meant a lot to haddon Oh my god, Teddy Bear, what did she What did they do to you? Teddy Bear, what did they do to you? Oh, well, they've have my they've been unstuffing me. Oh, yeah. Teddy Bear, we're gonna we're gonna blow up the police station. Oh, I'd love that, we're Haddon. Do it. Well, they asked Haddon to quote let the bad Haddon out. <laughs> they tried being nice at first. They tried treating him like a child, but they got absolutely nothing. So they left the room. But they left him the teddy bear. Yep, they left him the teddy bear. Something to talk to. And when Haddon was alone in the interrogation room with just his teddy bear, he seriously turned to his toy and said, quote, "Uh Uh-oh, not getting out of this one. No, Haddon, I don't think you are. (laughs) Is he doing both the voices? But no, he's just sitting there talking to this teddy bear and singing his church hymns. Yeah, yeah, he's just (laughs) singing them, like, rocking back and forth, singing this little light of mine in this horrible... Horrible nasal. It's light of mine. Oh my god! I'm gonna let it shine. Jeez. When the cops came back, things got a little blue. Uh oh. They started by pushing into Haddon's sex life, hard and dirty, asking him if he'd ever fucked Penny. You ever fucked Penny? Yeah. If you've ever fucked a dead body, 
if he'd ever fucked animals, particularly dogs. Like, were you some kind of dog fucker? You fuck dogs, huh? 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 No, no, no. I'm a dog murderer. (laughs) (laughs) Then they got even dirtier. They asked him if he had sex with his mother or his sister. Then they got into possible abuse in his past, asking, quote... Were you abused by a big bully who took you to the men's room and butt-fucked you? What kind of cops are these? Bad ones. But alas, the only thing Haddon Clark would say was his lawyer's name. Donald Salzman. Donald Salzman. In fact, when they asked... You fuck Donald Salzman? (laughs) Is that what you're saying? Donald Salzman. This tells you that Haddon Clark is a lot more clever than he leads on. Right. All these people thinking that he, no, he knows when he goes into the box, you just say your lawyer's name over and over again. In fact, when they asked him what he was into sexually, he just drawly said, I'm into Donald Salzman. I'm into Donald Salzman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No, he turned into a character from Pose. <laughs> my goodness. Then the detective from the Michelle Door case entered the scene to see if he could catch any luck where the other ones had failed. He asked questions, he spat in Clark's face, and then he attacked the goddamn teddy bear. Oh, Can you oh this? my God. He's got the teddy bear in one hand being like, don't make me do it, Hattie. Don't make me do it. I ain't saying nothing. I want to speak with my lawyer. Oh, yeah, let's see what the teddy bear has to say. Don't you, t- don't you say anything, Teddy. Don't you say anything. Don't you give anything to these pants. I did it. And then he, the detective asked what kind of underwear Haddon was wearing, and he gave Haddon a fucking wedgie. Luckily for me, I like it. <laughs> you got to flip it on. And after that, they started with the jail threats, saying, quote, Hey, do you have any butt cream? Huh? I would be like taking it in the butt, because when they undress you over there and they find out you got girls' underwear, oh, daddy, you're going to need some butt cream. <laughs> <laughs> But still, it's like it's like the cast of nerds. It's like the, it's like the bullies from the show movie nerds. Yes, are you getting you getting butt, butt cream for your the butt? Butt yeah. cream for your gay butt? Yeah, they're gonna make your butt gay. <laughs> oh, you yeah. need, you're gonna need cream for it. Whoa! But still, nothing worked until they asked one of Haddon's female personalities to come out, and they decided to try that at around. Hour seven. This is seven hours of them yelling about butt cream and fucking dogs and threatening the teddy bear. And then finally, they're like, can we talk to Kristen? So you know they just walk out of the interrogation room and be like, uh, well, Bob, it's your turn. I tried to strangle the bear, um, so that and that did not work. And uh, Gary, you did the butt cream bit, right? Yeah, I did the whole butt cream thing. And we talked about that. When we rehearsed this last night, I honestly thought it went great. Yeah, I'm really surprised yeah. it didn't get much of an effect. I mean, I'm going to do... I'm gonna take my my nightstick, put it up the teddy bear's butt. Okay, that's maybe that'll <laughs> work. Say the teddy bear needs some butt cream. Butt cream, <laughs> that might work. Well, because when he asked for Kristen, I kind of feel like with him, he's like, "Those are the magic words." Yeah, because Ugh. that's what he wants to be sort of known for. Yeah, right. He, there's something about there's a performative aspect to his mental illness a little bit where yeah. obviously he's he's not well no um but there's something about how he wants this is very important to him that people know that Kristen's real mm-hmm. and that Kristen mm-hmm. has done these crimes Kristen is the one who's responsible and that Kristen can come about Kristen's truly very dangerous but do you think that he truly thought if they were speaking with Kristen, they weren't speaking with uh, Haddon, no. and so he would get off. Do you think he really 
Is there any way he's like, it wasn't me? And the cops would be like, it was Kristen, and I don't know what to do because he wasn't that sick. Okay. He, he I, I think it was just a part of the game. All of this is a fucking game. Okay. But he told them that Kristen buried Laura in Warren Township, New Jersey, which wasn't anywhere near where she was actually buried. She was buried right next to his campsite. Mm. Uh, and it's not necessarily a confession. It's just a, like, no, that's where the body is. Uh, and if they don't find the body, then his lawyer can always say, like, oh, he just said that. He just because said the, shit. Yeah, he just said shit because he's obviously very sick. Right. And after that, Haddon went to his cell and went to sleep. <laughs> I can feel like he does it like that, where the, the nightcap is going in and out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but there was one interesting thing that happened between the interrogation and the trial. When they searched Haddon's truck, they found a hand-drawn map that led to a cemetery in Cape Cod. Mm. Thinking this might be where Laura was buried, they brought a cadaver dog, and while they did not find Laura's body, the dog pointed to the same grave where Haddon said he had temporarily buried Sarah Pryor. Mm. They dug it up, didn't find anything, but the dog did at least point to, there was a dead body here at one point. But when the trial got closer, and all the state had on Haddon was the fingerprint on the pillowcase and a whole bunch of circumstantial evidence, the prosecutor made a deal with Haddon for second-degree murder in exchange for a guilty plea. And that gets it done. And then you get three hots and a cot. Then mm-hmm. he gets to go to jail, kind of, which is actually probably in the end a very safe place for him, much safer than sleeping in your car mm-hmm. out in the fucking woods. Um, but one thing I forgot I wanted to bring up like, during the interrogation is that he does this thing where he keeps attributing quotes to the Bible that are not a part of the Bible. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, like, well, you don't say. It's like the Bible says, ask a stupid question, you get a stupid answer. Yeah. <laughs> Or like father, like son. You ever read that in the yeah. Bible? And where does the Bible say, you ask a stupid question, you get a stupid answer? What um, Do you know what part of the Bible that is? Engval, uh, chapter five, <laughs> season one. Here's your sad. Well, hadn't accepted the plea. Read a full confession in court and told the police exactly where the body was buried. And within a few hours, Laura's body was found and Haddon was sentenced to 30 years in prison. Now, by 1999, Haddon Clark was doing time at Western Correctional Institute, and the years in prison had not improved his mental state. Huh. He has become an obnoxious demon in jail. He'd taken a hanging breakfast sausages in his cell, suspended by dental floss, and once they were covered with the desired amount of fuzz, Haddon would pluck them and gobble them down. (laughs) Okay, so I have to do it. What? Daddy, do you want some sausage? <laughs> Freddy got a finger, Tom Green. That's exactly what he would do if he went to prison. Yes. Daddy, do you want some sausage? <laughs> he also fill used milk cartons with food scraps, then he turned the milk carton upside down, put it in the corner of a cell, and let it rot for a week. Did he have a celly? Uh, well, that's what we're about to okay, get to. Okay, because that would have been a... That's, prison is bad enough. Yeah. There's, I don't know what the hell this is, because it would make him vomit. And have diarrhea constantly, because he'd oh, wait until the whole thing was rotted, and then he'd open up the milk carton and eat the surprise. Oh, okay. If there's a psychologist out there, I, I love a insight into what the hell this means. Why does he become as rancid? 
as humanly possible. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I think we just got an email at sidestorieslpotl at gmail.com. Subject is, he's batshit crazy. Oh. Yeah, that's from that's from a psychologist. Oh, he's uh. wackety schmeck. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sidestorieslpotl at gmail.com. If you uh, are a psychologist, please let us know what you think about this series. Well, it was into this cell that John Patrick Truitt arrived as Haddon's cellmate. Oh yeah! God I mean, damn it! Can you imagine? So this? you walk into the cell. It's it's got a you got rotting food in the corner and a milk jug, bunch of sausages covered in fuzz, toilets ah. covered in vomit and diarrhea, oh, and just fucking filled with it. Sorry for the mess. A lady has her secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Haddon would sometimes like he would switch into the Kristen Bluefin persona while him and his celly were like playing chess, and he'd start flirt because that's the thing is that Haddon Clark was a fantastic chess player. Nobody. Could could beat him but when he would was Kristen Bluefin he'd let his cellmate win he'd to flirt start with him f- to flirt with him like, like oh. oh you're just so smart and so good at chess <laughs> and they said that it was very exaggerated I mean how fucking how just much is f- this shit to deal with you're Flies. in jail like he was already a murderer this the, the Sally was a murderer too but he's sitting there with fucking Haddon Clark and Haddon Clark going oh, darling like touching his <laughs> knees oh. and shit and batting his eyelashes flies hovering over a shit covered toilet yeah uh, the, uh, the odor itself I cannot when I spent the night in the tombs mm-hmm. for uh, for helping that dude through a, a turnstile the smell was so intense yeah it stayed on my clothes like it was a bar full of cigarettes <laughs> I had to wash everything now John Patrick Truitt does in fact sort of look like the depiction of the European Jesus that we've all seen in church mm. So Haddon Clark assumed that Truett was, in fact, Jesus. Of course he was. And the way it was presented is that he came in, and it was like he was standing in the corner, turn around, and it's like, I knew you'd come. Yeah. I knew you'd fondly come, Jesus, to hear all my sins. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, as Jesus, I proclaim, let's clean it up a little bit. <laughs> Why don't we just get some soap in here? We'll throw some bleach on the ground. Cleanliness is next to godliness, Did Adam. Did you know that, Adam? <laughs> It's queer Jesus for the, the straight psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> So since Truett was Jesus, Haddon started confessing to his crimes, although he still did it in a way that made Truett think that Haddon absolutely relished the memories. It Uh. wasn't a confession. It was bragging. He just wanted to talk about it, and he thought that he would be safe talking to Jesus about his crimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the crime that caught Truett's attention was the murder of Michelle Dore. Mm. And since this was a child murder, Truett had no compunction whatsoever in going to the FBI in exchange for a lighter sentence. And before 1999 was over, Haddon Clark had been found guilty of the murder of Michelle Dore as well. Oh, thank God. I mean, I that... He just devastated so many people. Yeah. He did it so in, many folks. in such like a fancy lady way too where he would just go like, I never should have killed her. I never should have killed her, but... Now what's done is done, and that's in the past. And now we're focusing on the present, mm. like this new brew I have of hamburger in this milk carton. <laughs> and I just, I just need to get it a type of gray. Yeah, I guess so. Now the only reason why we know for sure that Haddon Clark murdered Michelle Dore is because Haddon gave the FBI the location of her body. But after his second conviction, Haddon started dangling a few more bodies. But... He would only show the cops where the bodies were buried if they agreed to two conditions. One, Jesus had to come along. 
Time a- to come. <laughs> A.K.A. his cellmate, John Truett. Meanwhile, God, this fucking guy, because you know, he probably thought, be like, great. He's going to go searching for the bodies. He's going to be gone for a while. And he's uh. like, nope, I need my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> you have to hang out with him in a van all day. Oh, my. The other condition was the cops had to buy him a wig, panties, panties. Oh my. a bra, a skirt, and a sweater. <laughs> oh, and a sweater. Otherwise, no bodies. No bodies. So, a guy that looked like Jesus, a serial killer dressed in ladies' clothing bought from Kmart, and a couple of cops started traipsing around the Northeast, and they'd always stop at Burger King for lunch. Oh, no kidding. When you order for me, I want a Whopper, no bun, but with everything on it. I just want the patty with all the toppings. <laughs> oh, really? Well, both Truett, and they kind of did it to fuck with the guys because Haddon hated it because Burger King wouldn't serve him raw beef. Oh, <laughs> he didn't like that. <laughs> yep. And Truett was a vegetarian. Oh, He's and, Jesus and they, Christ. They didn't have the Impossible Burger yet. <laughs> but there were no more bodies to be found. Some sites hadn't took them to had been paved over by strip malls, while the landscape of shifting beach dunes on his grandfather's property in Cape Cod had changed so much that locating the same spot from years before was absolutely impossible. Well, he said the bodies were never important to him because he never visited the bodies afterwards. So he said that he had memories of where his treasures were, all of his trophies, but the bodies could kind of come and go. Yeah. And he also said that he was kind of in a fugue state. So in a, in a way, I sort of buy it. Like, I sort of buy that he did kill people, but he couldn't remember exactly where the bodies were because, again, he wasn't all there yeah, to begin with. Yeah, unorganized. But the way they describes it, he'd go back in the van and he would just be, like, childlike. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to waste everybody's time. I I want to do good for everybody. I don't want to put you out on a wild goose chase or anything. Yeah, well, you're about to go back to jail. I hope you have your butt cream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the same. It's Gary from the, from, from the interrogation. Yeah. Honestly, I just want to thank you so much for this butt cream you got for me. Yeah, I got it, you. It was kind of... A, you, it's you, so nice. You, you like it. Yeah, honestly, and I love the scent, and I love the, I love what it's, it's doing for my butt. It's like added years... <laughs> <laughs> and of course, everywhere that Haddon Clark went, the local new the local news crew always followed along and interviewed the local yokels. Because wow. you got to put that, you got to have course. something on the six o'clock news. Oh, not just something, something incredible. This is juicy. This is a gold mine. One doddering old woman who was asked about the Clark family unhelpfully said, "Mr. Clark used to have a lovely garden." Haddon Clark and his brother, they they played there. They were the grandchildren. <laughs> Thank you, old lady. All right, next up, we got Rick Steves with sports. <laughs> but one thing they did find was Haddon's box of treasures. Uh-oh. It was right where he said it would be. And when investigators opened it, they found over 200 pieces of women's jewelry inside, including... Laura Hotling's class ring. So we don't know if these were from victims, but they could also, because remember he stole 15 purses from a bunch of little old ladies at choir practice. You know, he was absolutely a thief. He stole a bunch of jewelry from, uh, you know, from Penny Hotling. Um, Could also be murder trophies. At least some of them. We don't know. We'll never know. And so 
Haddon Clark still to this day sits in prison eating moldy food and filling up toilets while loudly singing church hymns in a nasal falsetto. And that is where and probably how Haddon Clark will one day die. Whoa. He's also Marcus had a chance to show us some of his drawings Mm -hmm. and paintings. He's like a real George W. Bush. He's a killer (laughs) who now loves to draw. You know, and you know what they say about Haddon Clark? Yeah, if he spends his whole day like eating a bunch of sludge and making a bunch of diarrhea, if you do what you love. You never work a day in your life. Never right. work a day in your life. That's this is right. one of those guys who jail is actually something that I think is not bad enough for him. Yeah, because he's I fine. Feel, with, he's fine with it. I feel like he is fine with it. Yeah, yeah. he just needed. He needed to be in a concrete square. Yeah, it's yeah. good. He's away from us. Yeah. No, oh, no. absolutely. No, that's that's definitely the best. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone. There it is. Haddon Clark. And I want to thank everyone for the great response um, to this series because this is one of the heavy hitters a lot of folks hadn't heard about. Yeah. And so it's so great when uh, y'all do a, you all you do a deep dive into the brains of madness. Deeper and deeper. Uh, <laughs> and they are able to find someone as compelling as uh, Haddon Clark that isn't uh, as famous as so many others. We're going to keep the hits coming. Yeah. we got a lot of shit coming up. We've got uh, next week. We got a relax fit, mm-hmm. which should yeah. surprise and delight you. And then after that, I think we're going to have a little something weird in a pipe. Yeah. Ooh, I love it. Something weird. And we got something huge planned for episode 400. Yeah. Oh, episode 400? 400, dude. 400, We've been doing this for like a long time. But with the side stories, we're at like almost 470? 480? My God. Henry's still a guest on the show, huh? I know. <laughs> I'm well. still not getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you all so much uh, for listening. Again, we are going to be in the Pacific Northeast very, very soon. Atlantic Northeast. The Pacific is in the West. Yeah, whatever. Oh, it's all the <laughs> same. <laughs> Northeast, Atlantic Northeast, Pacific Northeast. We will be there. Uh, very excited for it. We got uh, Portland, Maine on November 21st. Northampton, Massachusetts on November 22nd. Buffalo, New York on November 23rd. Then in December, we're doing Toronto, Detroit, and Columbus on the 5th, 6th, and 7th. And, of course, New Orleans on the 13th. Cannot wait. Also, it seems like in Buffalo, 911 Tavern is the place to go. That's what they're saying. 911 Tavern. 911 oh. Tavern? <laughs> no, it's 911 Tavern. It's 911 Tavern. That is the name of it. Oh, is there, if man. there's a slash between the 9 and the 11, I then did. it's 911 Tavern. Then it's like. It's n- 911 Tavern. 911. It's 911 Tavern. Let's go to the 911. That's, sure so that's a, scary. I'm sure that's the people in Buffalo. Let's call the 911. <laughs> you know the Buffalo accent. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, also, congratulations, Marcus. Thank you very much. Uh, You have the wedding. And so this is, again, the final episode before Marcus Parks is a kept man. Ladies, hands off. Hands off. Yeah. Hands on. Because it ain't cheating if it's different. I don't think that's true. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Magustalations. Hail me. Yeah, you can take those uh, panties off now, Henry. The entire segment is done. The show's over. There's no reason for you to be dressed in women's panties anymore. They have joined my skin. (laughs) Give me your panties. Women's panties. (laughs) Dr. Henry Zabrowski found masturbating in the park. Wearing women's panties. (laughs) Stew! This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. 
For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction, and it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod.